Welcome to the LU Moment, where we showcase all the great events, activities, programs, and people right here at Lamar University. I'm Shelby Rodriguez, Public Affairs Manager here at LU, and you know it, I am back to host this week's episode of the LU Moment. Now listen guys, the Department of Theater and Dance has returned with their second theater production of the semester coming up this week, titled, So You Can Look Ahead. Alright, so joining me today is writer and director of the production, guest artist Ed Morgan. Let me give you a little background on Ed. Ed has directed over 100 plays throughout his career and has worked at theaters and universities across the globe, India, Bulgaria, Costa Rica, Dominican Republic, you name it. His works have been honored with Helen Hayes nominations and awards. He's been a Fulbright scholar, which is huge, and a casting partner for Cirque du Soleil. He's written and co-authored various plays and adaptations, including A Christmas Carol, one of my favorites, a novel written by Charles Dickens, uh, Ghosts, and now, So You Can Look Ahead. Ed, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Shelby. I'm glad to be here. Perfect. So um, tell our audience a little bit about yourself. How long have you worked in the world of theater? Well, all along. You know, I got out of <laughs> university and I yeah. started a company. We toured schools and I wrote shows from folklore and we toured elementary yeah. schools and we did Shakespeare in high schools. And this is back, you know, when I was 20, early 20s. Yeah. And then I got more serious. I started working in professional theaters went back, got a professional training, and since then I've worked mostly in the regional theater, a lot of universities as well, and in the last 10, 15 years I've done more international work. Yeah, yeah. So I've I've worked in like 30 states in the U.S. and and various countries, and um, it's what I love to do. Yeah, so that love of theater has always been there with you, huh? Mm -hmm. For a long time, long time. Yeah, my dad started out as an actor before he had a bunch of kids and got more serious about making money, and my mom was a singer. And it's preachers and teachers kind of all the way back. So yeah. um, so it's not so far. The apple didn't fall that far from the tree. <laughs> yeah, you kind of had that growing up right. and you saw that on stage presence. I love that. And so um, this story, so you can look ahead, this is a story of love, loss, turmoil. It also touches on immigration. What inspired you to tell this story? Well, the rhetoric about immigration in this country that started about six seven years ago yeah um to me was um disturbing but also what it what it did is it it was an echo it reminded me of the rhetoric about immigrants in the 1920s and Mm -hmm. 30s the immigrants Mm -hmm. at that time from like 1890 to 1925 about 25 million immigrants came to the U.S. Yeah. They were from Eastern and Southern Europe. They were Slavs and Poles and Hungarians and Jews yeah. and Southern Italians. And they weren't considered white. Oh, wow. Right. Wow. People now that we say, well, of course they're white. They weren't yeah. considered white. Yeah. Southern Italians weren't considered white. So the rhetoric about Mexicans or Central Americans, the rhetoric about Syrians, yeah. and the sense, not just, I mean, immigration is complicated, and we can't just open our borders, obviously. The, the, the problems are complicated. There are not simple solutions. But it distorts the debate when we, when, when we imply or believe or we say these people are inferior, these mm-hmm. people are bad. Um, and, and that... That's kind of what we were saying in the late 20s and, th- and, and early 30s. Yeah. Uh, it led to the Immigration Act of 1925 or 6. It's right in there where we made quotas for what countries could supply more people. Yeah. Okay. So I then imagined a story set back in that era when the immigrants who were being uh, discriminated against or dealt with sort of like they were lesser people were yeah. Italian. Were in fact people that now we would think of as white. Yeah. So it's a way of... Uh, reflecting on the present uh, of course through a story in the past 
I love that. Right. I love that. And so the bravery it takes for you to even touch on this topic, as you said, immigration is um, difficult, but I mean, it's such a touchy uh, subject these days. Right. Well, I don't believe that the purpose of a play is to tell people what to think. So I'm not, I'm not giving the solution. I mean, I would do that if I had a solution, if I had the solution (laughs) or I was sure of the solution, I would do that in a lecture or a pamphlet. Right. Of course. Theater is a format or art in general is a format for raising questions and yeah. touching nerves and getting people to think about it in a different way yeah. and to try to present an issue you know in a way that maybe shifts people's thinking or opens up the debate so i didn't i didn't take it on like i had the answers i took it on like okay there's uh, there's a lot of heat here yeah and let's go yeah. there and think about it yeah so what do you hope that the audience comes um well walks away with after seeing this production i think there are two levels one is that the production is really going to be theatrical and i think mm, in some ways maybe different or more theatrical than people are used to seeing Mm -hmm. just what i bring as a as a director and uh what what the designers and actors and i are coming up with so i think that part of it will sort of delight and chant and really entertain On a thematic level, I hope that people have um, engaged with the characters and so they've had an emotional experience. Yeah, um, yeah. And they come away with some questions and thoughts and feelings about the issues or the people in these situations that maybe are... um, are new or different. I mean, again, I, I don't really think theater can change people's lives, but it can it can open them up and change their thoughts in some way. Yeah. So I hope it, it's like having a really intense dream. You know, a really good play is like that. And yeah. So I, I hope it's I hope it's that kind of an experience for people. Yeah, I think people may be more um, open to. Subjects like immigration, you know, with something like a theater play, as opposed to me, if I got up on the stage with a mic and I said, all right, so immigration took place back in 1930, you know, I may get a tomato thrown at me. Whereas with the play, you can kind of take the audience through their journey and kind of show them a different outlook. So I love that. And you've written over 100 plays. I've directed over directed over 100 plays. A lot. So what plays have inspired you up until this point? Well... What plays have inspired me? You mean that I directed or that I've seen? That you've seen within your lifetime. Um, early on, the first time I went to England and I saw some of the Royal Shakespeare Company's productions of Shakespeare, that was really inspiring because they were so bold artistically with what they yeah. did. I mean, we think of Shakespeare and it, eh, we think of it as a kind of stuffy old whatever, and yeah. it was so fresh <laughs> yeah. and so alive. Yeah. Their work with Shakespeare was uh, was a big inspiration to me. Really, yeah. really. Yeah. And so you've done um, adaptations mm-hmm. throughout your career. What mm-hmm. inspires you to do those adaptations? How do you pick the work that you want to to do? I think writing a play based on another work is easier. You think than so? Out of than writing oh out of gosh. midair. Um, well, yeah. So. Yeah. Some works I was inspired by. There's a Faulkner novella sort of that I adapted and rewrote. It, it helped to have a framework to build off of. Actually, Shakespeare adapted a lot of his stories. I mean, he really? completely transformed things, but he, he stole a lot of stuff from other people and then yeah. reworked it. To write a play from completely from from your own head as a story, like this one, actually, yeah. is a bit harder. Yeah. And so do you ever feel that pressure to do the work justice or like a Christmas Carol? Or are you like, oh, my gosh, Charles Dickinson's going to be like, what in the world is this? Well, you've got to transform the you've got to shift the medium. If it's a novel, you know, a novel, you can't just put it. You know, sometimes people complain the movie wasn't like the book. Yes. It can't be like the book. It doesn't translate the same. Right. Even from film to theater, you can't. They're different mediums. 
You know, so you yeah. have to adapt, you have to adjust, or you'll fail. I've never thought about it like that. It yeah. can't just come from words on a page into a stage. It doesn't work. It doesn't <laughs> it work. It doesn't work. So how do you find that inspiration to maybe adapt it or maybe to um, exaggerate one part of the story as opposed to another? Well, like theater is a lot more visual, obviously, than a yes. book. I mean, you're imagining it in your head with a book. Film is much more visual than theater. So yeah. a film script is far less words and ideas mm -hmm. and far more images. You've got to tell Emotion the story and in picture. Yeah. And in theater, you have certainly more space for a lot of words, but you're also still speaking in the language of pictures, the costumes, the design, all yes. those things. Yes. And it's really got to be character-centered. Yeah. Uh, a book doesn't have to be character-centered in the same way. So they're different. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense because you guys yeah. do a lot of work to, to cast the right person for the right part and make sure that they fit, Yeah, right? Casting's so. huge. Cast As a director, <laughs> after you've got whatever is your story is, the most important decisions that you make are casting. Casting. I guess yeah. finding the right people to be able to make that story come to life. Right, and just how you see the part. You know, all, yeah. all of us carry so much information about our background and our personality and whatever, and you need a, you need a, a decent mesh between what that person brings you yes. know, just how 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 an audience will perceive them and what you want the the, the character to bring. How yeah. you want the audience to perceive the character. Yeah. And so what inspires you to keep telling stories? I know um, I know you said coming up with a story out of thin air is difficult, but you have done it. Yeah. <laughs> what inspires you to keep doing it? Well, kind of it's sort of who I am at this point is a, a, a creature of the theater or a, a storyteller but we're all bombarded with stories all the time yeah. I mean, this is what our culture is right yeah, yeah. so um, I've developed the skills and you know okay wait here's the real answer I was brought up on family <laughs> stories I was brought yeah. up on stories um, I kind of learned American history through growing up with a Southern family and yes. having, I mean, I had ancestors in the Revolutionary War. I had ancestors on both sides of the Civil War. Wow. My grandfather was a Baptist minister, worked with Martin Luther King Jr. Mm -hmm. and a senior, actually, and then a little bit junior. So wow. the Civil Rights Movement. So all these various stages of American history, I kind of got through family stories. Yes. And I think that certainly awakened my, my sense of... Um, interest and, and passion about American history. Yes. And I think a lot of my interest in stories comes out of growing up with a family that talked, you know, with stories. Yes. Stories. Yes. And passing those stories down. Right. Right. Oh my gosh. Right. And right. so what advice do you have for our theater students who may be um, a playwright starting out or maybe just looking to break into this industry? This seems like second nature to you at this point. At this point it is. I think that the challenge for young artists anyone who wants to make a living in the theater or is that you're, you're kind of stuck waiting around to get hired I mean theater is yeah. a communal art and so you like need a group or a project yeah and you can wait around forever New York is full of people waiting around and so is oh, LA wow. yeah so my advice is just go ahead and do it you know yeah. at whatever level write something I mean you can you can make a movie with a cell phone right or a yeah. short movie in with these a days cell phone. yes right so just do it because you can learn a ton that way. Training is good, yeah. you know, and you want the opportunities from the institutions that have money and power yes. and more exposure. 
But if you sit around, if you're just waiting for that, you could wait forever. Whereas if you initiate and make up stuff and just take a risk and do everything, like I started out as an actor and then I started getting more interested in directing, but I didn't want to stop acting and then I Mm -hmm. got interested in writing. I just didn't want to specialize. I wanted to keep sort of doing whatever it was that I wanted to do. Um, And I've been able to keep working in theater partly because I have all those different skills. Yeah. So... um, teaching too so that's I would just advise people just do it just do it (laughs) just do it so take us back to a young Edward Morgan Mm -hmm. let's say you're fresh out of college you're looking around wondering what you're going to do where is your mindset right now as far as career wise what were you thinking I mean if what was I thinking then or what what were I thinking now what both what were you thinking then and what would you be thinking now now that technology has changed the world has changed well then I almost went into folklore studies um, I was really interested in folklore, and I had spent some time traveling in Ireland. And I mean, I was just drawn to folk cultures, yeah. both Africa to the south and Ireland and Scotland to the south, yeah. th- those different streams. Um, and I was just drawn not only to works of literature, but the, the cultural context of them Yes. Um, and music. And then I, I just, theater took off. I just started writing plays from, so what was my mindset? Um, I was ambitious, but I was... I was just ready to make something happen right then, I guess, the kind of advice I'm I'm giving people. Um, And I was pretty optimistic about that and optimistic kind of about the world. I think now is a bit of a darker time in the sense that we're so much more separated as a culture. Yes. And, you know, I think young people now really need hope, more hope. Um, we think about the earth, yeah. you know, the changes, climate changes, and the, you know. Yes. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I think in a way we need storytellers more than ever, but I think the tendency right now is for people to be intolerant in a way that cuts off the discussion. Yeah. And I would hope that if I were young again and coming up <laughs> on the, you know, thinking what I was going to do, I would hope I would be trying to bridge the gap to tell stories in such a way that sort of speak to everybody and not just speak to the people who agree with me or what I think. Very, very true. I think there's not enough of that from both sides. Very true. In the the time of cancel culture. Yeah, yeah. I mean, (laughs) that's what we get from the left. We get other things from the right. And, um, you know, we've we've got to go forward together. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to maybe happen through crises or something. But I, yeah. I, I do think that there's a tendency right now for, uh, yeah, to not to just speak to and listen to the people who who say or want to hear what, you know, the same thing that we believe. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. And so how do you think social media has kind of impacted the theater world? Um today it certainly has i mean it's impacted everything in one way it's such a liberation but another way it's been such a channel of misinformation and the notion the research well i can look a few things up on the internet Mm -hmm. now i've researched it i know the truth (laughs) i know the truth because i saw it thanks google yeah yeah so i I think it's been a double-edged sword it certainly has affected um theater and film a lot i mean we just we're all bombarded by so many more stories in some ways we're more sophisticated Right. In, in our perception of stories. In other ways, it's harder to get through the noise. Like, right. you know, 50 years ago or whatever, 100 years ago, a good book or a good story mm-hmm. or a good play ha- could have a much larger impact in the world. Yeah. Because there were so many f- sort of fewer stories. And so 
a sort of a thing went further. And now, you know, just to, it, you struggle to get heard in all the noise. Right, in a time where um, people really um, can tell, anyone with a cell phone can tell a story. Right. You know, whether right. the story is true, false, right. if right. it makes sense, but just saying a story to get a reaction. So, And that's good. Yeah. The emp- empowerment is good on yeah. the one hand. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, there's just so much sort of static. Right. Right, that makes sense. And so how do you feel like um, the digital age has kind of changed as far as seeing theater productions on a computer screen as opposed mm-hmm. to com- coming into the audience, sitting and watching, connecting? Yeah, there's no difference. I mean, there's no there's no comparison between a live event and yeah. an event on screen. I mean, what you can do in a film or TV is pretty amazing. I've yeah. done some of that, and that's great. But there's an energy in the room um, it happens in churches. <laughs> it happens, yes. It happens in concerts. Yes. It happens in any live performance where you have an energy between the performers and the audience that cannot be Duplicate. transported through yeah. uh, through the through any of these technological mediums. Right. You know, yeah. even a even a great recording isn't like live being in the room. You know, yes. music. So what I think theater has still to offer is that sense of. You know, we say charisma, but that's really what we say about the the performer. But there's a there's a Breton word called startigen, which is the energy between the musicians and the dancers. And it's yeah. a specific, you know, actors really feel the energy of the audience, and they ride mm-hmm. that. And a performance changes based on the energy of that audience, how that right. audience is responding to the work. Right. And that's a kind of that's a special thing. Yes, of course. Um, and that's a lot of why people go to church, and it's a lot yeah. of why people go to concerts, and it's a lot of why people go to the theater. Yes, it's very interesting you say that because even after the far after the performance is over and you have the standing ovation, you can still feel that energy kind of vibrating, and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. I can't get this watching this uh, on right. Zoom somewhere. Like, this is right. something special. Right, it yeah. is. And we have a need for that. I mean, we are communal creatures. You know, from way back, we are, we are communal, and that's mm-hmm. like... Uh, that group energy coming together is is great. There's nothing like sports brings some of it, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But you don't get the idea content with sports, but emotionally and that group energy, sports does yeah. some of the same thing. Yeah, very true. Yeah. And so, um, speaking of groups and coming together, you are a guest uh, director here at LU. Right. So, how did that come about? Um, Joel Grothy, who's a member of the faculty here, he's yes. a theater professor. Um, is an old friend of mine. I actually oh, taught him in graduate school <laughs> when he was at the University of Virginia. <laughs> yeah. Um, as a grad student, I came in and yeah. taught for a semester. And as a guest artist like this, I was there the whole semester, though. Yes. I taught a class with the grad students. I directed a production. And then I came back the next year and workshopped the adaptation I wrote of a Faulkner play. Yes. Um, of, a, of a Faulkner novel. And he, so he was, the first, he was the lead in that and the lead in the other play. So we've stayed in touch over the years. And, you know, we kind of reconnected or connected a little more recently. And he wanted yeah. to... Oh, I think his former professor had seen a reading of this play, which happened online. Yeah. Uh, uh, a university in England, along with an organization in Germany, um, um, produced us a reading of this play online during the pandemic. Yeah. And the professor at UVA saw it and told Joel about it, and he read it, and... He said, hey, I want to do this. Yes. And it had had a few readings, but no production yet. So this mm-hmm. is the premiere. This is the first production. The world premiere. Yes, yes. The world premiere. So I was excited to come and do it. And I didn't direct the other reading. So to get to direct it, too, um, was great. So I've yeah. worked on the script some um, here. And uh, Joel is in the play, which is great. Of one, course. One older rule. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so that's how it happened. That's how I got to Beaumont, Texas. 
Uh, that's how you got to Belmont. And where are you originally from? Ed? Um, I was born in D.C. and raised mostly in Maryland, Maryland or Virginia. But my yeah. family is sort of northern South, Virginia, South Carolina, and Maryland. And so how long have you spent um, down here in Beaumont, Texas, kind of uh, being that guest artist and directing our students and helping right. them along through your it's production? It's a little over three weeks now. I popped yeah. into audition back at the beginning of the semester. Yeah. And then I've been here full time a little over three weeks. Oh, man. How you yeah. like it here in Beaumont? I like it. I like it. I have some family. I visited up in Franklin, Texas, a cousin I hadn't seen since childhood. Oh, wow. Right? So her mother was my grandfather's sister. Yeah. Like that. It's yes. like that. But I'd been in touch with her, but I hadn't seen her in yes. all that time. So I visited her. That's, so I have a little family connection in Texas. And then I've worked at um, LSU in Baton mm -hmm. Rouge, but it's been a while. But after the show opens, I'm going to go over to New Orleans because I haven't been there in ages. So yeah. I like exploring an area when I'm here. So yeah. I, you know, I got out on the Natchez River last weekend. Oh, love that. Yeah, all that stuff. So Love that. Yeah. All the fun stuff. I like it. And so um, when, what date does this uh, play so you can look ahead premiere? Okay, the play opens on the 4th and runs through the 7th. So there are just four performances, 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th All at right. the Lamar University Studio or Black Box Theater. All right, we're excited for it. Um, and where can our audience go to learn more about you, Ed? Okay, well, I, if they want to, I have a website at edward-morgan.com <laughs> and yes. a lot of pictures on it and uh, information about me. It's my professional website. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Ed, for, for joining me today. I love the conversation me too. about thank theater. You, yeah. Um, guys, if you are listening into this, you can catch the extended version of this interview right now on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search LU Moment. As always, be sure to follow us on social media. You already know the username, but in case you don't, here's a hint. It's Lamar University. Uh, this is Shelby Rodriguez, Public Affairs Manager here at Lamar University, the pride of Southeast Texas.